MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. To first strike here on Visa. I'm your host, Dave Ross. For the next hour, we're going to break down the Bantamweight battle. It's back on for the, well, I would say the queen of the Bantamweights. You can also make the case queen of the Featherweights. Of course, the two time uh, reigning defending champion here, Amanda Nunez, is going to put her strap back on the line against Irene Aldana. Right now, we're seeing uh, the Lioness about a 320 betting favor. We're going to break that down with Nick Kalikas here in just a second. Lou Finicaro, Dan Vreeland, and Reed Kuhn. For this, before this day is done, I do want to look back very quickly. Kaikar France uh, against Amir Albazi last week in the main event. We talk about it all the time here in the program on First Strike. When it hits the cards, buckle up, take a deep breath. You never quite know what the judges saw. I thought Kaikar France won a rather convincing unanimous decision. The judges did not see it that way. Two of the three go with Amir Albazi. He wins via split decision. And therein lies the rub sometimes when you hit the cards. Let's bring in Nick Kalikas right now. Of course, does a great job. You can follow him and watch him on UFC Fight Pass, UFC on the line, and the Gambler's Perspective podcast. Nick, always great to have you back on. Follow him on Twitter, at Fight Odds. Very quickly, it's I, I know you, you can feel the outrage out there if you're on the wrong side of that Kaikar France decision. I thought it was pretty clear cut, but this is, the the I guess, the problem in boxing and MMA you get to a very subjective place once it hits the scorecards. Correct. And you know what? We're always having some kind of controversial decisions. This happens time and time again. I honestly didn't think this one was too bad. And I had a little bit of piece of Car France, meaning I gave the first three rounds. You can argue that they, Albazi won those first three rounds, and I think Car France stole the last couple. Now, again, the first couple rounds, you know, there, you could have found a reason to give him Car France. So I think a split decision either way was actually okay. I, I know that's going to be an unpopular opinion because a lot of people believe car France won. So you got to consider that though, right? Meaning that more times than not, when the media and the fans are scoring a certain way, it's probably right. It's more accurate than the judging, unfortunately. Yeah. And again, and you know this better than anybody, because you put post those live odds a lot of times. What I believe the live number there on Kai car France was minus $4 uh, going into the final minute of that fifth and final round. So obviously the betting community maybe saw it very differently from the way the judges did. Now, when you get to the main event here, Amanda Nunez against Irene Aldana, I guess if you're going to back the Lioness, you hope it doesn't hit the cards, potentially in a five-round Bantamweight bash here. Uh, what do you make of the number? Right now, 320 we're seeing here for the Lioness. Arguably, you can make the, the argument the greatest uh, female uh, MMA practitioner we've ever seen. Yeah, I, I do think the line's a bit high. I personally got on the Aldana side at plus 330, plus 300, plus 290s. So I got ahead of it a little bit because I figured the line would drop. My price is significantly lower on Nunes. That doesn't mean she shouldn't be favored, but I think she should be closer around minus 250. I mean, top end 275, 280-ish uh, for the Nunes side. And it's based on what we've seen lately. I know that's not fair because what you just said, Nunes is definitely one of the GOATs, if not the female GOAT of, you know, the best of all time for mm -hmm. sure. But that being said, I mean, the glimpse that we just saw recently in the Pena fight where she lost, I understand she rebounded and got the win back, but still, that's an eyesore in, in some spot that we're not really used to seeing Nunes in. So if you're seeing some of those come out at this point of time in her career where, you know, honestly, it's that silk pajama type of thing. I mean, she's making more money than she ever made before. I mean, what is the drive and the desire to go out there and keep on raining like she did? So I really think Aldana's coming in here in a good spot. She's getting better. She's improving. She matches up physically well with a, a girl like Nunez, too. So I don't think 
that uh, the people laying the chalk on Nunes are going to be very happy when it's all said and done, to be honest with you. Yeah, there you go. And again, we just saw with Valentin Shevchenko against Alexa Grasso, big, big stunner there at 125 pounds. Again, don't know if the Lioness should be this big a favorite. I'm looking at the total here. And again, when she lost, you mentioned it to Juliana Pena, right? It was in that, uh, I, I believe, in that second round. It, it comes quickly, sometimes in defeat. It is set at two and a half. And you're not laying a lot of juice there, minus $1.25. That's obviously because we're expecting finishing potential, quite frankly, on either side. Is that why it's aligned the way it is? I personally feel like, I mean, a lot of people are expecting if there's going to be a finish to this fight, it's probably Nunez getting it done because that's what she does time and time again. But I do feel like Aldana can kind of weather that storm and Aldana can be there over that, you know, two and a half round spot where if, if there's going to be a finish, I really think it's Aldana probably finishing Nunez earlier in that. If that makes sense, it's crazy, right? Because I'm saying Aldana, she's so tough that maybe she gets, like, she wears it for the first few rounds. I understand mm-hmm. she's markable. Like, she gets marked up. She, You could see the battle that she's in more times than not. But she's going to be there in round four, round five. That's the difference a lot. of You know what I mean? Where Nunez, we saw that glimpse. Her cardio conditioning in the past has been kind of spotty up and down. So if there's going to be a finish, it probably favors Aldana inside the distance and I think Aldana can kind of survive the onslaught that Nunez brings as this fight kind of progresses so it, it is kind of strange I think if you're backing the Nunez side I think it goes over that two and a half if you're backing the Aldana side there's a possibility that it goes under but for me I would play the over where the, the price is right now there it is and again if you think it's going to go all five to hit the judges scorecards there it is uh, two to one you can get there plus two dollars without picking a, a victor so but I think that's really sage advice there Nick be be, be weary because again there is very much finishing potential here for the uh, the upset uh, potential here with Aldana if she gets it done earlier. We've seen that happen with Nunez uh, not many times, but it has happened in the past. When you look at the co-main event here, and you got two fan favorites, obviously, Bamil uh, Dariush against uh, Dubronx back in there, Charles Oliveira. And right now, Dubronx is the dog uh, to Benil here. And we're seeing Dariush about minus $1.55 here, the comeback in the former champ at 135. Both guys right around the same age. It feels like Darius is that overlooked guy in the lightweight division for for years potentially, but everybody, certainly the betting community, knows how tough he, he truly is. Absolutely, and that's the thing here. I mean, a lot of people are probably shocked looking at Oliver being the dog, saying, "How is he? A, he was just the champion. He dominated. He went on that run." A lot of people were arguing that he might be the goat in the lightweight division already, surpassing Khabib. All this stuff, and now he's a dog to Darius. Who's Darius? That's what I think the narrative is. The narrative is out there for a lot of fans, but. Make no mistake, the people that have been following the sport for a while, the people that that are in the know realize how good Darius is, and he should be favored in this fight. He has more ways to win this fight. I think if this fight hits the scorecards, which I don't think it will, he's going to probably win if it does hit the cards. Now, both these guys can finish, of course. Both of them have knockout power. Both of them have submission ability as well. So you're looking at two guys that can go out there and just do everything. So this is an awesome fight, but I do see Darius being the rightful favorite here, and the sharp action has come in his way as well. So now, that doesn't mean we're not going to see some dog buyback on Oliveira because there's going to be two-way sharp opinion here for sure hitting the market. But right now, it's on the Darius side. Well, to your point there, Nick, look at the total, right? Two and a half, potential three-round uh, co-main event here, plus money, plus $1.45 to go over two and a half. Again, without picking a winner, if it hits the cards, which you don't think it will, plus $1.80, you got to lay $1.80 if you want to back that under at two and a half. Are you seeing any money come in on, on the sides or on the totals here? Because again, right now, it would indicate that we think we're getting a finish one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, the total hasn't been blasted all that much yet. Uh, I, I think we're going to continue to probably see it go under. If anything, I'm looking over. If you guys catch me looking to the left, it's because I have my Don Best screen and my Spank on screen oh, over yeah. here to the left. So I'm kind of gauging the market as we talk in real time <laughs> here as well. So, uh, But, yeah, I think we will, if anything. I mean, like I said, the, the finishing potential. And, and then the defensive flaws that we have on both sides. I mean, Darius is in wars, man. He's been clipped before. He's been put out early in fights. And then Oliveira, even though he's got all that offensive finishing ability – defensively, he is flawed at times. So this is just a crazy firefight that it's going to definitely tempt people to come in on the under. But once you get to a certain point, you got to be careful because I could see this possibly slowing down after a crazy first round and maybe Darius getting some takedowns, getting top position, and maybe riding it out. Like I said, I don't think that's the way it kind of plays out, but I do think Darius is possibly live. And a lot of action is going to continue to come in on the under. You know, people are going to be looking for that plus money, right? And when you look at the method of victory here, you get really good juicy numbers either way. If you like Oliveira, KO, TKR, DQ, that's four to one, right? If you're looking by sub, plus 475. We've seen him do both of those method of victories many times over. The same is true with Darius, right? KO, TKR, DQ, yes. it's almost five to one. Sub, where he's probably more apt to get this thing down to the ground, plus 325. 
would you say if you like Charles, forget the method of victory, just give me the plus money as the dog? I mean, yes, I, I would think that's fair. But inside the distance, if you're getting a little bit more value, it is very tempting, too. So whatever you could, because he's not, look, I would not bet Charles by decision. Forget mm. it. Just leave that out the window right now. Because like I said, he probably spends more time on his back if that's the case. So he's, he's not going to be a fan-friendly decision for him op optical. Like, you know what I mean? If he hits sure. his cards and they see him on his back, it's probably not going to be good visually for uh, the Oliveira side. So if you're going to bet him inside the distance or straight, for sure. Yeah, win by finish for Oliveira, to your point there, is plus $1.70. So you're getting a little bit of a, a better number. Again, not thinking that he would be able to win a three-round decision fight. You got 50K Ige. Uh, back in there against Nate the Train. Landweir's back in. And Nate right now, uh, over $2 betting underdog in this one. It's got a lot of fireworks potential. Certainly, that's why he's called 50K Ige, because every time he's in there, he's looking for a bonus. What do you make? Is this? It's interesting because Ige feels like the guy that's been in the wars, and yet he's three years younger than Nate. How are you seeing the money move on this one, if so at all? Two-way sharp opinion on this one as well. I mean, Ige got hit early on, causing the line to float up to around minus 280 or so. And then we saw some buyback, sharp action coming back in the other way. So you do have two-way sharps here conflicting here across the market. And I understand it. I mean, Landwehr as a dog is very tempting. I mean, he's you know what you're getting. He's fighting for your money. He goes in there. He's pretty durable overall. He's just a grinder. He's in your face. He puts a lot of pressure on. And he's got a little bit of finishing ability, too. But Ige is just a sniper here in this spot. He's more technical. I think he's better across the board. His only concern should probably be the takedowns that Landwehr is going to kind of throw at him. Grind him up against the cage, maybe try to steal a takedown or two and control him a little bit. But I don't think Landwehr is going to get it done here. So I think it's going to be Ige kind of sniping him. So I do think the chalk side is probably right here. And if you're getting anything under 300, it might be worth a stab. A small stab because, again, you got to respect the Landwehr side. But I agree with the sharp opinion that hit the Ige side more so than the Landwehr. I love the way you described Landwehr there, though. He fights for your money. If you're betting on him, you know he's going to be a live dog, but maybe technically right now might be outmatched against 50K Ige. Got about 30 seconds to go. Uh, very quickly, is there any other fight in this card here? Obviously, when you get a big pay-per-view, you got a very deep card. Any other fight that you've seen a lot of movement on or expect to see some movement on before we get to Saturday? Man, there's so many. Uh, I guess the intriguing one for me is Imabov and Curtis. Curtis yeah. kind of a quick turnaround a little bit, disappointed in the way the Gaslam fight ended for him. It was a very close fight. And Imabov, of course, fighting his former training or his training partner, Curtis's training partner, Strickland, recently, too. So a lot going into that fight. It seems like the sharper side right now is Imabov. I wouldn't lay the chalk, though. I would probably stay away. Uh, interesting one there with Action Man Curtis back in there. Again, check out UFC Fight Pass, UFC On the Line in the Gambler's Perspective. Nick, always great catching up with you, my friend. Enjoy the fights. We'll catch up again next week. Thanks, Dave. When we're back, we're going to go to Lou Finicaro in Arizona next here on First Strike. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Continuing this edition of First Strike, Dave Ross here at Circus Sportsbook in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Let's go out to Arizona to catch up with our guy, Gamble. But before we get to that, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you plenty of ways to bet the UFC. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You're able to bet on more than just the main event. DraftKings has great odds on fight lines, total rounds, and future events for all MMA events. Eligibility restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for all the terms and conditions. Let's get out to the aforementioned Gam Blue. You can follow him on Twitter there. He's the host of the About Business Podcast. Does a great job with a weekly article right here on VEASAN.com. Lou, great to have you back for a big pay-per-view like we have. You look great. You look like you got some sun out there in Arizona. Looks lovely this time of year. I do want to get to a couple of fights I know you have circled already on the card. When you got a guy like Eric Anders, of course, the pride of Alabama, playing linebacker back in the day there against Marc-Andre Barrio. And right now you look at uh, Mark Andre, and he is a small favorite, about minus a dollar thirty-five with Eric Anders roll tied at plus a dollar fifteen. What do you make of this matchup here? Well, first of all, Dave, thanks for having me on. I always get a little nervous when you compliment me so much up front. I got I wonder what what it's what a good a good glow you got. Okay. All right, well, <laughs> thank you so much. You know, it, it's sunny here. Uh, it uh, nonetheless, it won't be sunny in Vancouver where they're fighting this weekend. And this Anders Barrio fight happens to be one of the six where you have a Canadian mm-hmm. in a matchup against uh, a ship in the ship in Eric Anders who most recently fighting at Fight Ready, just recently for this fight, uh, switched to the MMA lab, which should be of note. He now trains with Jared Cannonier and and some other uh, large bodies over there. However, oftentimes a guy that, that moves gyms a couple of times, that may not be the greatest sign, first of all. Anders, I regard as without question, the finest NFL athlete that's ever made it into the UFC. And you think of NFL guys being studly. That that doesn't mean they can fight. Look at Greg Hardy. He's getting knocked out Mm -hmm. everywhere. What Greg Anders, excuse me, what Eric Anders has been able to do in the UFC is really remarkable. It shows you what kind of athlete he is. Now, that all being said, he's 35 years old. It's hard to teach a and steer a new an old dog into some new ways, especially if there are some habits built in. Barrio's the younger man. He's fighting in front of a home crowd. And I think he's quite honestly more versed than Eric Anders, the great athlete. And this is a matchup between a mixed martial artist and a great athlete. And I'm going to lean to the mixed martial artist in Barrio. Yeah, I think it's, it's great handicap. And again, you mentioned Anders, of course, played linebacker there for Nick Saban at Alabama, Ovin St. Prue. Played, uh, played some uh, defense as well at Tennessee. So we've had some great athletes, but your point is well taken. It's really hard at 36 to start to learn new visions, uh, you know, kind of a wrestler coming in here and a striker for Anders. It does feel like Barrio has got more ways to win that fight. Let's get to Nasruddin Imavov against uh, the action man, Chris Curtis, back in this one as well. And again, we... You know, we everybody seems to want to root for Chris Curtis, and they call him the action man, but sometimes he doesn't give you enough action in there. Will he give you enough to back him at a plus price tag? Right about plus thirty right now. Well, he's been a great story, and he's been a guy I've faded a little bit, and it's worked out the last couple fights, but it's also bounced the other way. The guy's focused. He overachieves. He's finally fighting at a buck seventy, which is his natural weight for a while. Excuse me, this is a 185 mm-hmm. fight. He's really a 70er. And so now fighting at 85, I think he's at a little bit of a disadvantage. Uh, I, I like him. I like his explosion. I like the fact that everyone, that I shouldn't say everyone, but there's been a slight trickle of money coming in on Imavov. But when we look at Imavov, we're looking at a taller, longer, younger man probably one that didn't show his best self in his last fight. And for that reason, there might be a little bit of lack of respect on his side. In a fight that I think is going to be really good, I also think in a fight that's only three rounds, 
I think this is going to be very close. I think it's going to be a decision. And rather than take Imovov as a favorite, I might be looking Imovov via decision where I could squeeze a negative number into a pl- plus number. Yeah, plus an hour 40 of like Imovov via decision here for the fight just the, to go the distance here. We know Action Man obviously gets the hands going. You can see why a sub at 25 to 1 is not a likely pathway to victory for Chris Curtis. KOTKRDQ at plus 450 could, but. Would you look at that lay in that dollar fifty if you liked Imovov and say, all right, I don't have to pick a winner. I just got to make sure it goes all three. Yes, I, I think that's how it goes. I have that respect for Curtis, mm-hmm. and I don't think Curtis can finish Imovov, even though Imovov gases or has. We've seen him gas in that third round. So Curtis is going to be uh, fifteen rounds full of it, and Imovov's going to have to. Under, he's going to have to show his best. Now, Imovov was fighting Gastelum in his last fight, mm-hmm. which was a late change and a diametrically different kind of a fighter <laughs> than he had to fight. So he took a short notice fight, looked terrible. I think Imovov's price is artificially depressed here, and there might be value on him. You know, it's interesting because there's certain fighters in the UFC roster that I look at and I go, well, this guy's got to be close to 40 on the other side of 35 because they've been around a while. And then you realize they're just not that old. Dan 50K Ige is one of those guys for me that I look like, and I go, man, he's just been in so many wars. We've seen him in main events. So we've seen him for so many years, and yet he's still relatively young at 31. Nate Landwehr actually is three years his senior in this fight. Ige right now minus 250. Landwehr is one of those guys that I know you and I have talked about before. Right? He's kind of a fun guy to root for, a great mouthpiece when he gets on the mic here. And it does feel like the Nate train's in effect. Is he live for you at plus 210? I'm not sure, but I can sure talk about what a great clash of styles this will be with Ige having deft footwork, precision striking, and he uses volume. hes I don't believe Ige's ever been put out of there. Meanwhile, on the other side, the train, Neat Landwehr, is exactly what he broadcasts himself to be. Yes, that's one. He, he is, he's power personified, he's pressure, and he's going to come right at you in many ways. He's the bull made for the matador in Ige. The question will be, can Ige stay away from any of those elbows, knees, and some of the infighting if the train can get Ige pressed against the fence. Uh, I think this is a good stylistic fight for Ige. That said, I hate the price, and I'd have to look elsewhere. Maybe Landweird does the unthinkable, or rather than just Landweird does the unthinkable and stop Ige, which I honestly think is improbable. Maybe the fight doesn't go the distance where you can squeeze out some kind of plus price. I'm right there with you, though. We understand the technical skill that Ige has in this fight, but I'm just not in that business of laying 250. If it did hit the cards, we just saw what happened last week. Kaikar France, Amir Albazi, buckle up. You can see win by decision uh, would be plus 250 for 50K Ige, and then 5-1 to one if you like Nate. So it is telling us that maybe a stoppage is in play, to your point there. I do want to get to the co-main event here in the time that we have before we get to the main event. And whenever you have Dubronx back in there, Charles Oliveira, we, we know what a popular champion he was. Benil uh, Darius is one of those quizzical fighters. Like, we know how good he is and how technically sound he is, but it almost seems like he gets forgotten in the lightweight conversation. But he is a, a favorite now, $1.55 and growing. What do you make of this matchup, which could be maybe the most anticipated fight on the card? On the card and in the last six months. I mean, when you look at the first half of this fight year, there's been some doozies. This belongs right there with if we're really uh, handicapping the pedigree of each fighter. And Dubronx, enough said, if you take away the Makachev fight, mm. the guy sawed through Gaethje, Poirier, Chandler. I mean, come on. And he did. He sawed through them. And meanwhile, uh, on the on the other side, uh, you have uh, Darius. Yeah, you have Darius, who's, look at me, I can't even remember the guy's name. He's Mr. <laughs> Understated. He, yeah. he pumps the Bible a little bit, but his skills are exactly the same as all of the eras. In fact, I think Darius has made it clear he would roll with Oliveira, and I think Oliveira would be willing to do it, except I think there's more advantage for Charles on the feet here. Uh, Darius has 
found himself in some firefights and found his way out. But in that Dracar Close fight, he was stung, and it was Close getting impatient that ran into one that lost it for him. So I, I think here, I lean to the dog Oliveira. I lean to him because I think it's, this is going to be a stand-up fight, and I think Oliveira has a little bit more of a polished stand-up game. Only have about 40 seconds to go, so I don't want, to, don't want to shortchange you all the way on the main event here, but I know you're going to give it out on the Bout Business Podcast, and I'm sure you're right about it at VEASAN.com. The main event with, with the, the Lioness, Amanda Nunes here, is the dog in play with Irene Aldana? No. Uh, no I don't know how. If we get a motivated Nunes, I don't know how Aldana can really compete with her. When we look at the total in this fight, I think we're seeing a two and a half. That says it all. Usually it's an over 330 in a women's fight, two and a half when they're fighting three rounds. This is a five round fight. I think we'll see a competitive Aldana for two rounds and then the fight will end. Yeah, the tail of the tape certainly backs up what Lou is breaking down there. Again, check him out out at GameLoo on Twitter and the Bout Business Podcast and also VEASAN.com. Lou, always great to have you on the show, my friend. Appreciate you as always. Going to Chicago next with Jordan Sherwood. Come on back. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take your sports betting game to the next level this summer with a VSIM Pro subscription. Sign up now for just $9.99. Get access to everything we do, which includes daily pro picks and all the summer action, which includes NFL and college football futures, premium analysis from our team of top handicappers and industry experts, 24 7 video access, and pro tools like our exclusive betting splits, showing you where the public and smart money is going and sharp money for every single game to give you an edge. So start betting smarter. Visit slash subscribe and sign up. Now we go back out to the great city of Chicago and catch up with Jordan Sherwood. It's been a while. Mom's been noticing your absence at Wood on ESPN 1000, host of the unnamed MMA podcast and Jordan sporting a new look. Is it already winter in Chicago? Is that why you need the beard? It's the reverse yeah, summer beard. Uh, and hopefully Mama Ross likes it. I know it's been a couple of weeks since I've been on. Hopefully she thinks yours is good. Mine's maybe living up to those standards. 
Uh, but nonetheless, good to talk to you. Good to see you, Dave, and excited about UFC 289. Absolutely. I'm sure we'll get mom's approval. We'll find out. I'm sure I'll get a text about it soon. Uh, let's say, let's talk about the main event here, because when you look at the line, S. Amanda Nunes, I, obviously you can make the claim. I'm right there with you. This is the GOAT of women's MMA, right? Bantamweight division, she's still the champ at featherweight, even though that division really isn't active anymore. Juliana Pena looks like that's been put to bed. The rematch, she was dominant in it to get the belt back. Are we still looking at the greatest version of Amanda Nunes? You look at Irene Aldana, the opponent here, everything very similar, height, weight, obviously, and even reach. But we have a big discrepancy when it comes to the number here, laying 320 with the line S. Is that properly lined, Jordan Sherwood? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's what we've come to to expect with Amanda Nunez title fights. I mean, she's the greatest of all time. I consider her pound for pound amongst all MMA fighters, not just on the women's side of things. Uh, and I and I think this is a matchup that that she can certainly take advantage of. But um, I will say this: you always have to question about motivation for Amanda Nunez. It's amazing she's still competing at this level at 35, about to become a mom for a second time. But she still wants to take on all comers and 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 defend her status as the greatest. Irene Donna is no joke. She she has the rightful place to be in this title contention, uh, even though she's taking this fight on short notice. You mentioned the skill set. She's also a fighter that's that's very rarely stopped. Obviously, we've seen Amanda Nunez, uh, you know, you showcase her power, utilize that to to get fighters out of there. Uh, but Aldana's very good boxer. She's no slouch on the ground, so she's not going to be intimidated if the fight does go to the ground against Amanda Nunez. So uh, I think certainly if you want to play Amanda Nunez, you have to be smart, Dave, and you have to be put her into your your parlay with a couple other fighters. But my play is actually on the on the total. Mm. I, I love seeing plus money at three and a half, and I love seeing even more at plus four and a half. I think Irene Aldana's a tough out. And I think the way to win this fight, Amanda Nunez is going to have to dirty it up. She's going to have to push Aldana against the cage, utilize some dirty boxing, maybe even uh, replicate what Holly Holm did uh, three fights ago against Irene Aldana in a win that Holly Holm had uh, over in Abu Dhabi, a five-round fight. Uh, And I think that's where we have. And look, we're not questioning Amanda Nunez's uh, cardio anymore. Like, that was a suspect years ago. It's not anymore. So, look, I I think – I'm not confident that that uh, Amanda's going to go out there and, and finish and smoke, uh, uh, you know, Irene Aldana. So I, I like the decision here. So I like I like the over at three and a half, four and a half as a play. You know, you've got one uh, interesting prop there for the fight just to hit the cards. And when it hits the cards, we just saw it last week with Albazi and Kaikar France. Hold your breath, depending on no matter which side you have, right? Just for the fight to go the distance, you get two to one plus two dollars and you don't have to pick a winner. Is that something that might entice you? It could, but I, I really don't think I, I'm going to see a fight that uh, Amanda Nunez loses to a striker. Uh, if if you were talking about Juliana Pena because of the wrestling standpoint and controlling her, and we've seen Amanda Nunez get taken down before, going back to some of her earlier fights, then I believe it. But I think if we're getting a finish, we're going to get uh, uh, you know Amanda Nunez just 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 guessing out. I, I guess like she did against Juliana Pena and Aldana, you know, getting her out of there. Or we're going to see Amanda Nunez uh, go to the judges' scorecards. That's, that's my point. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally – I understand that logic there because, again, it, it would seem like it would be difficult for Irene to get her out of there early. That's where the under would come in play if you like the dog here to get it done early. But, again, two and a half is where it's set. So it's showing you that they, they, are, they do believe, at least out here in Las Vegas, there is some finishing potential – but I think you're right. You're going to get some plus money there if you think the fight might go longer into the night north of the border in Canada. Let's get to the co-main because uh, but Benil Dariush is such an intriguing guy to me because he feels like he's still an enigma, right? He's 34. He's actually older than Dubronx in this fight, Charles Oliveira. It's like you forget about Dariush and how good he is, but has not been forgotten by the odds makers because we're talking about you can make the argument for Charles Oliveira's lightweight reign it was dynamic, and it was a who's who. And now he's plus money against Benil? What do you make of the co-main? Well, first off, do the MMI gods listen to me? Can we see these two guys go to the ground? <laughs> Can we please see these hey, guys compete against each other on the ground? Charles said would, he, he said he doesn't mind going to the ground with, with Benil. That would be amazing. I mean, just, just to see that, if it's just for a minute in the first round, I would love to see it. Yeah, look, uh, Benio Dariush is the unsung uh, hero of the lightweight division. He's taken on all comers. He's, you know, he, he's dominated guys. He's finished guys. And quite frankly, he would be on even a further run if 
Alexander Hernandez didn't uh, surprise him back in 2018. Uh, I understand why Benilo Darius is the slight favorite. He carries power. That has caused some issues for Charles Oliveira before. Uh, he's obviously well-versed on the ground. Uh, and that, you know, obviously is something that maybe they, they cancel each other out uh, with Charles Oliveira. And, and look, how's Charles Oliveira going to respond after, you know, his most recent loss, uh, in, in, you know, losing, losing the title in the way that he did? I think absolutely, and it's kind of a no-brainer. You look for a finish for sure. Both these guys have a finishing mentality. Oliveira rarely is ever in a fight that goes to the judges' scorecards. But just as I talked about with you in the last fight that Oliveira lost and then prior to that in the wins over Chandler and Gagey uh, and Tony Ferguson, you got to play Charles Oliveira at plus money. You just do. The guy is just – he finds ways to win when you don't think he can. I'm not as confident as I was when he was on that run a couple fights ago. But I still think at plus money, there's value in the Bronx, for the, the, sure. The, the problem here, if you get too cute with backing the dog and the former champ in DuBronx, Oliveira, KOTKRDQ, 4-1. to one. Sub, they'll give you a plus 475. But because he does both, right, he takes shots and somehow recovers. If a fight goes to the ground with Darius, which is a very good possibility, if he hurts Darius, he could look for a finish that way for a sub, or he could go ground a pound. Would you just take the plus money? With Charles instead of going method of victory? Yeah, yeah, I would. I mean, look, I I, I wouldn't be surprised if Olivera snatches something because he's so talented. But Benita Dariush is just so good. <laughs> what I know, what I've seen is that he's been finished before via strikes, via TKO. So if you need to play something, you're you're itchy. You obviously you, you lend credit towards the TKO. But again, how trustworthy is Olivera? Has he fully recovered? Uh, you know, from from the finish that he suffered. So. I think just inside the distance, the under for both those guys uh, is the play. On the Uber tail of the tape, Dubronx does have four of the check marks on his side. Darius three on his. Should be a really competitive, intriguing co-main. Uh, in the time we have a lot of, let's talk about 50K Ige uh, against uh, Nate Landweird here. We we know Nate the train. He's, he's get on the Nate train, baby, and all this. You can get over $2 right now against 50K What do you make of Ige? He's three years the junior here, but he feels like the old vet who we've seen in so many firefights and main events. Yeah, and look, he's, he's coming off one of his best performances. You know, the knockout of Damon Jackson the last time out, I think that's going to cause issues for Nate Landwehr. I think they match up evenly from like a pressure cardio standpoint. But what's caused issues for Nate Landwehr before uh, is guys with power and guys with either power that can get him early, like uh, like Uriah Faber did a couple years ago, or just guys that get over time, uh, you know, utilize boxing, utilize striking, and, and just – you know, get that scar tissue going on Nate Landwehr or get him out of there. Um, so I, I don't think that the wrestling and the pressure fighting and Nate Landwehr is going to cause any issues for Dan Ige. I think Dan Ige is going to have to go into your parlay for sure. I don't I, I don't have a lend or a lean towards a method of victory. So we'll part, we'll, we'll stuff Amanda Nunez and, and Dan Ige into a parlay probably with one or two other fighters. Yeah, I see that because the danger there is if he can't get Landwehr out of there, maybe it's a points fight that Ige wins if it goes to the cards. So maybe better off because, again, from the experts here we've had so far, it feels like Ige technically is superior uh, to Nate to the Nate train. But I won't tell Nate that we said that if he wins. Uh, let's get very quickly in the final minute that we have Barrio uh, against uh, Eric Anders here. Of course, the former uh, linebacker back in the day at Alabama, Nick Saban, Strikler wrestler here against Barrio. Is there upset potential or do you think uh, Mark Andre is the way to go here? Well, this is one of those gamble specials. Wait till the weigh-ins to see what Eric Anders looks like. If he looks solid on the scale, the weight cut didn't affect him. I like him for the upset. Mark Andre Burial likes to bully people, utilize his power. Anders can match him athletically and physically. And uh, I think if you recall, I do like to fade Burio. And I was wrong before against the Cuban Missile Crisis. But we <laughs> right, shame on you. Fool me right twice, shame on me. I'm willing to risk it. I like Eric Anders as the upset uh, play here early on a Tuesday. Very quickly, 20 seconds, the unnamed MMA pod. Any Chicago flavors coming up here? Well, we've got Josh Thompson on the card tomorrow to talk about the, the Bellator card that's coming to uh, Chicago. Yeah, so he's going to be on the uh, the pod tomorrow. We'll also give out our fight picks for UFC 289. Should be a good one. I'm sure mom's going to sure. love the beard. It looks great on you, Jordan. Appreciate you as always, my friend. When we come back, we're going to Washington, D.C. to catch up with Recoon next. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. 
When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on First Strike, Dave Ross here in Las Vegas. Let's go back to the nation's capital to catch up with Reed Kuhn. You can follow Reed, as I do when I was on Twitter, at Fightnomics. Of course, does a great job at ESPN Plus, uh, MMA contributor and the author of Fightnomics. And again, just to point out, throughout the hour here on First Strike, you've been seeing our Uber tail of the tape. That's Reed Kuhn. That's what he does. So when you see those fine numbers, they come to us courteous of the man that we're speaking to now. Reed, always great to catch up with you, my friend. I want to talk about the main event here. I know you've got tons of data on the GOAT when you're looking at Amanda Nunes here. Certainly 135 pounds. Is this the – when you look at the numbers, Amanda, we know how great she is at either weight, 45 or 35. But do you see is it better for her at 35 than it is at 45? That's an interesting question. I, I think in the past, I've sometimes taken a fighter and split them out by performance in terms of weight class. I don't normally do that. These are career cumulative stats. Regardless, Nunez has been facing elite competition for a very long time now. Doesn't matter which weight class she's in, she's facing the best. And so when you see her line up and she looks so awesome on paper, and then you pair that with the fact that She's been facing elite competition. It makes it even more impressive. So, you know, people talk about the GOAT. Rarely do I see statistics this good, and wow. rarely do I see them earned against top competition like this. So, yeah, she's off the charts, and, you know, there's probably very little scenario I can see where I would be betting against her. Again, she is the over $3 betting favorite here to retain her title here in the Bantamweight division. When you look, and I, maybe for the novice, they're going to say, Irene Aldana, how did she get to this title shot? We kind of alluded to it there at 45. There's really no competition for Nunez. Is this just the case of Amanda again after beating Juliana Pena in the rematch of trying to find new blood for the Lioness? And what have you seen from Aldana? I know the tail of the tape here certainly favors Nunez. Can she at least push her to maybe make an overplayable of two and a half rounds? I don't know about the total. I mean, I do think there's value on a finish for Nunez inside the distance play, but I don't like to get too cute with the with the over-under on the round totals. Um, but the question about Aldana, I mean, she is a willing and competent striker, and maybe that's what their rationale was. They want someone who's willing to go toe-to-toe with her, who's pretty good with her hands, uh, but that's also part of the problem here because Nunez is so good with her hands, but she also has the ground game, and stylistically, once it gets to the floor, it's going to be a mismatch. Um, and and I do remember, even in Aldana's last fight, the way she got into this title shot, 
was kind of a fluky body kick from the ground knockout of Macy Chase on. I was actually in Vegas with you guys mm-hmm. watching that fight. It was bizarre. I think it's the first time that's ever happened, a body strike from someone's back. And so, yeah, it, like she was on her way to maybe losing a split decision in that fight. And now she here she is fighting Nunez. I think this is just not a great matchup for her, but she is probably the type of fighter who's going to go aggressive, make it fun, give the crowd something to cheer about. She's probably willing to go out on her shield. Uh, and and she's going to stand and trade. But I think ultimately Nunez has too much for her. And very quickly, Reed, right. just if we're looking for a different uh, method of victory here to try to maybe extract some better value, does the data lean towards KOTK or DQ if it's the, the line S here? Plus $1.50 sub, she can get those if it hits the ground here, is plus four twenty five. Does the data favor one way or the other? Not too strongly, but the price is so divergent that if I had to pick one, I would say there is a greater mismatch on the ground and the payoff is so much greater for a submission that if I had to pick one, I would go that route. But the safer play is inside the distance because she might rock her on the feet and finish on the ground, but with a TKO, uh, that's the trouble with these dual threat fighters is that you, you're convinced they're going to get a submission, but they end up just finishing with a flurry of strikes. Uh, so that's hard to play. But overall, the inside the distance play is very reasonably priced considering what you're getting. You're getting Nunez in a fight with someone who's willing to bang and probably doesn't have much submission defense on the ground. So that screams inside the distance for me. Minus fifty right there to not get too cute with the method of victory. I'm picking up what you're putting down there. Speaking of fighters that can beat you in multiple ways, that's what we have in the co-main event here. Uh, Du Bronx back in there, the former lightweight champion, Charles Oliveira against uh, Benil Dariush. And Dariush we know is kind of the forgotten guy at lightweight, but he is uh, can be very dynamic both with his hands and if the fight goes to the ground. You don't see plus money very often on Oliveira. What's the data showing you? Is Du Bronx, as he normally seems to be, a live dog? Yeah, he, he's always a live dog just because he has the nasty submission game. Um, he has gotten a little too confident in his hands at times, but this is not a matchup where I'm as worried about that because several fights in a row, he basically got dropped and then his opponent got a little too aggressive and ended up getting submitted. And so this is a matchup where I think there is much less of a threat of Dariush just pummeling him on the feet. And I think Dariush has relied on his grappling so much, his wrestling, that he could get himself into trouble, into some bad spots. And Oliveira is just, he has one of those submission games that just seems to be superlative. I mean, he just lock in a choke from any angle. He has a, a good arsenal, but they're also so tight. So I do see upset potential here. It's you know, not not a coin flip, um, but if you're going to give me plus money on on Oliveira, I'll take that. Yeah, it's hard to pass that up when you see it on the board there for one of the best title reigns we saw in recent memory in an absolutely loaded division. Just look at the names that Dubronx beat to get that title. Uh, but yeah, this will be a very intriguing co-main event. I do want to get to Dan Ige here against Nate Landwehr, and the, the train right now is over a $2 betting underdog I guess we can see, and I'm sure the tail of the tape will bear it out. Ige, much more technical. Nate, more of that brawler. What are the numbers showing you here? Yeah, Ige, I think, has been undersized in some of the matchups where he came up a little bit short. And that, thankfully, won't be as pronounced here. He's still going to be the smaller guy. He's just a little bit shorter than most guys in his division. But at least it's not as pronounced. The reach advantage is you know, almost negligible. Uh, but I think he is the more crisp striker, and he hits hard, by the way. He he can drop people, and Landwehr has been dropped three times. His knockdown defensive rate is, or his his avoidance is a little soft. He lets people hit him, and he's been dropped. So I do think Danny Ige is going to test that chin at some point. The wild card is the ground game. Landwehr has done very well when he's been able to grapple, even though he's not necessarily the most eager wrestler. He doesn't jump for the takedowns immediately, but when the fight ends up there, he does well. Ige, on the other hand, has faced very good grapplers. He's never been finished, and uh, he powers his way through. So assuming he might be in some bad spots, I think Ige eventually is going to get out. He is very tough to pin down and tough to knock out. I think you give him enough swings, he's going to put Landwehr down. Wow, that's going to be a really good potential three-round banger there. Uh, certainly between those two. Let's keep moving on the card. When you look at Marc-Andre Barrio, he's going to have the home crowd advantage in Canada, north of, of the border, against the former Alabama linebacker and Eric Anders. What do you make of Eric? Because he feels like a guy that certainly wants to intimidate you, wants to throw those heavy hands. Is there an upset brewing in this one? 
I like Anders here, and I think that price is pretty reasonable um, if you're going to get even or plus money on Anders because uh, if you just stack up the competition that they've faced, their numbers are very even in performance. Like the actual statistics are almost dead even, kind of mix and match, uh, give and take. But the competition that they've faced is very different. I feel like Anders has faced the tougher talent. He actually has a win early on. Um, like or a five rounder split decision loss, excuse me, not a win, but he went five rounds with Lyoto Machida mm -hmm. just after he was champ. I mean, he has faced elite competition and Barry Alt just hasn't been there. And so when I look at the numbers being back and forth and very even, I got to believe that we're getting something better in Anders and there's value in that. Now you mentioned his hands. He does have heavy hands. He has seven knockdowns scored. Uh, Barry Alt only has two and he's also been dropped once. Uh, and then you have the wrestling. Anders is definitely the more eager wrestler. He's been more successful on the mat. He has superior metrics there. So I think there's a bigger imbalance. And also there's a secret here with Anders. He is definitely in clinch control a lot, uh, which is one of those hidden metrics no one even gets to see. And I have to break the data out, especially just to see that. But he has a clinch game that will score points and grind people down. So I think that's also a wild card that helps him get through a round if he ever gets into trouble. Very quick, you got about 90 seconds. I want to ask about action man Chris Curtis against Nazardini Imovov here. Uh, what do you make of Curtis? Because he's he's a can be a confounding fighter at times if you're backing him. Certainly he's a dog here because sometimes the action isn't always there from the action man. I'm leaning Imamov here, but there's one thing of concern, and that's Chris Curtis has 100% takedown defense, mm. uh, which is kind of mind-boggling given that he's pretty far into his career at this point. Uh, not even Gastelum took him down in that last fight. Uh, Imamov does have the superior ground game, and you're kind of counting on that, but what if he can't get it down? That's a little bit of a concern for me, uh, but Imamov, much younger. Um, he also has very crisp stand-up metrics as well as the well-balanced game, whereas Curtis is just a pure stand-up striker. He has no interest in going to the floor. Um, so the question is, is does he finally get taken down? I think he finally does, hopefully. Um, and Imamov is balanced enough to be able to get it there because you got to set up takedowns with the hands. Everybody knows that. I only have about 20 seconds. Read very quickly. I see that Hudson Whiskey, New York, that's my family stomping grounds. One through 10, how does that whiskey rate? Yeah, that's their, that's their baseline whiskey. It's pretty good. I'm actually even more a fan of their baby bourbon. Um, but yeah, there's been some damage up there with after a few winning weekends recently. You so had, we uh, might have to add to the pile. The first strike crew's been on fire, so I can see why those whiskey, it's a little bit low on the shelf. Reed, appreciate it as always, my friend. Thanks for watching First Strike. Cash some tickets. We'll see you next week. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.